HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, available on the internet at hearstranch.com. Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. Remember last week, uh, if you listened to last week's show, I was talking about foodiness bread. Last week's show was the bread show. And I mentioned that um, back in December, I had gone to Utah to a hiking spa. And at this hiking spa, where the hiking was incredible, and I had a great week of it, plus working out another four hours a day, which is something I enjoy, by the way. It wasn't like a punishment. I wasn't going there because I did something bad. And I lost five pounds in a week, which was my goal. Um, but while we were there, we were giving these, given these sandwiches for lunch on really like crappy foodiness diet bread. This bread had artificial sweeteners in it. Do you remember? I, ta- I talked about this last week. And uh, yeah, so this bread, which was actually something called a sandwich thin, had sucralose in it, which is more commonly known as Splenda. And, um, yeah, it was artificially sweetened bread. Now, the idea that they're... The idea there is, like, that people come to the spa to literally hike their butts off. That's why you go. But feeding people foodiness chemical bread in order to help them lose weight isn't really the answer. And neither are the nonstick pans that they cook everything in or the cooking spray that they use for making the meals. None of that is the answer. But really what isn't the answer is the huge drawer in the fridge full of diet soda that we found upon our arriving at the hiking spot and checking out the kitchen. Now, the reason I was able to check it out is because my friend and I were the only guests at the place that week. It was the week before Christmas, so we were the only ones there. And you basically stay in like this gigantic suburban McMansion house and um, the house sleeps 20, but we were the only two. So we had the run of the entire huge place. And I went there with my friend Kate 
who uh, I met a couple years ago in the pool. We're both in a triathlon swimming training class, and um, we met in the pool. We became friends. And when I told her about this hiking spot, she said, oh, I totally want to go with you. So, you know, the thing about Kate is that she's like this incredibly fit triathlete. She's done half Ironman competitions, hardcore. And she's already really thin, but she came along for the hiking. She loves to hike also, and uh, she's very active. And she didn't need to lose weight. She just wanted to go with me and work out and hike and have fun. But um, the one thing she did want to accomplish when she was there was that Kate is a diet soda addict or was a diet soda addict. She was drinking, I don't know, three, four cans of it a day and really didn't know how dangerous it was to her or how harmful to her health it was until I came along and of course started telling her. And I think that sometimes people become my friend and then they regret becoming my friend because then they can't ever eat or drink all the crap and all the foodiness that they liked in bliss ignorantly before they met me. I don't have a lot of friends because of that. Only my really good friends. Um, She's still my friend, by the way. Like my publicist and the co-creator of this show, Chris Nutter, who um, he drank Diet Sprite and Raspberry Svedka every night every night when we first met and now he drinks unflavored vodka and club soda with real lemon juice squeezed out of a lemon not from a little bottle i got him off his diet soda addiction too albeit gradually and he's finally weaned himself off of it um whereas kate went cold turkey at the spa but you know good job by both of them it's all about getting off of it so Kate had come along for the hiking and to hang out for a week together and also to kick her habit. So it was like a detox week for her, hopefully permanently, which so far it is. I went because I wanted to lose a few pounds and I wanted to be outside for a week. And also I wanted to give up carrying my smartphone with me all day and compulsively checking it every 30 seconds. So that was actually really easy for me out there because in those canyons in Utah, there was no cell phone signal. So It was really easy. I just left it in my room all day. And we both met those goals. So good job for both of us. Now, let me just say again that overall, the week at this place was fantastic. The hiking was amazing. We each had our own guide. They were like lovely, generous, warm, friendly, super accommodating people. The owners are the nicest, nicest couple. And I would go and will go back in a second. The workout classes, the other programs were great. We had a fantastic week. Let me just first say that. I love that place, and I will be going back. But I did have issues with the food. Of course. Of course. It wouldn't be me if I didn't have issues with the food. Now, I won't go too deeply into it. I know that people go there to lose weight along with the hiking, and so they keep you on like 1,200 calories a day, which is very low. But I think their approach is a little bit skewed and a little bit outdated, Too much USDA food pyramid type stuff, too much foodiness, too many diet products. You know, I'm all about real. And there was too much fake. And I think part of the problem is that it's like people expect it. After generations of foodiness propaganda, we've now come to believe that real food will make us fat and foodiness will make us thin. So if you want to be thin, you need to eat zero calorie foodiness products instead of real food. I mean, think about it. Imagine like... How people would react if instead of being given like diet Atkins bars and diet Sprite, they were given a steak and a glass of wine. So out on a hike one day, 
I started talking about, let's get real, with the owner and another one of the guides and about foodiness versus food and how the USDA pyramid that they followed is all about supporting the commodity grain farmers and how industry controls the nutrition information that the government tells us. And they were very open and very receptive to all my ideas and theories and very open to talking about it. And so I asked about the diet soda in the fridge. And she said that there were guests who really wanted it, who basically couldn't function without it, so they provided it. And then they all—they said, the guides all confessed to me that they all drank it too. All day. Except my guide, Cheryl, who doesn't drink it for the same reason as me, which is it makes her sick, but we'll get to that later. Now, the owner, who um, owns, she owns it with her husband together, they have five kids she owns and runs a spa, runs marathons and climbs mountains in her spare time, said she couldn't get through the day without a couple of cans of diet soda. Now, first of all, remember that this was, this is Utah. So if you haven't figured it out yet, if all the clues haven't lined up to you yet, yes, they are all Mormons. It's run by Mormons. It's all Mormons in the town. And... I had always been under the assumption that Mormons shun caffeine. That's what I always thought. No caffeine. And that it's basically that it's forbidden, like alcohol. You know, it's a stimulant. It's like a drug. What they told me was that coffee and tea are discouraged, but caffeine isn't forbidden. She actually called Diet Coke the official Utah mom drug. In fact, she said, Utah is the biggest consumer of Diet Coke in the country. Well, that is something for that beehive state to be proud of. It's like the mother's little helper of the 1950s and 60s, but, but that was Valium, which is a sedative. This is to keep them awake enough to manage those five or 11 kids and run businesses and climb mountains while nine months pregnant. So it turns out that all those nice Mormon ladies are all total Coke addicts. It seems a little bit hypocritical to me, but... So does all religion. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, the owner and I talked about the food at the place and we talked about redesigning their menu and that maybe I'd come back out there this spring and maybe do it. A Let's get real week. But we never really followed up on it. So I don't know if it'll happen, but we'll see. I'm not sure. Let's get real. And Utah Mormon moms are a perfect match. I don't think my jokes about glory holes and heroin go over that well with the Mitt Romney crowd. But nonetheless, we all got along really well. Um, oh, and another thing Mormons are totally addicted to, by the way, ironically, is sugar. Since they don't drink, they don't do any drugs, except caffeine. <coughs> Addict. They are total sugar junkies. The bookstore at BYU, Brigham Young University, has a huge bulk candy counter in the middle of the store. All those Mormon college kids are total sugar junkies. Since they can't party like their non-Mormon colleague college students elsewhere, they pound candy like the kids at state colleges drink beer. And I was wondering if like the, maybe the date rape stats are a little bit different. You know, puking by midnight, pregnant by dawn. A very serious topic I delved into in my episode called Vodka doesn't taste like cupcakes. And at the same way that I'm always amazed at the blind trust that people put into their religions and religious leaders, I'm also amazed at how much blind trust people put into consuming chemicals like artificial sweeteners without even giving them a second thought. I mean, we assume 
since they're allowed into our food and since the FDA tells us that they're safe, that they're safe. They've been tested, the government says, so it's okay. So we guzzle down gallons and gallons of artificially sweetened beverages and eat candy and gum and yogurt and pudding and salad dressing and all kinds of foodiness crapola without a thought about the dangers lurking therein. Of course, it's not the government we trust in, it's corporate America that we trust in. Corporate America is telling us that it's okay. Now, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, whenever I say that, I think, what are you, 70? Soda was a treat, that we got only when we ate out in restaurants. And even then, it was a small, like a little eight-ounce cup. And it was always orange soda because we weren't allowed to have the caffeine from the cola. Maybe we were Jewish Mormons. Anyway, it was a small. And it was a treat. And we never drank soda at home or anything else like that. I mean, nothing. No Kool-Aid, no high C, no Hawaiian punch. Just juice and water. Now, I wish it had been a little more water and a little less juice because juice is just as sugar-packed as soda and probably contributed a lot to my little girl chubster status. But then sometime around like 1980, 1981, my parents split up and my mom had to go back to work and she kind of lost her bearings as a mom for a while. And my sister and I were pretty much cut loose. And suddenly we were eating and drinking basically whatever we wanted. And what we wanted was to be thin. Me, because I had just spent my tortured childhood as a little fat girl with the last name of Wides. And my sister, because she was a ballet dancer born into a tribe of chunkster peasants under five feet tall. So that icon of the 70s, Tab, remember Tab, started showing up in our house. And I think my mom just like, she just couldn't fight it anymore. She just kind of didn't care. So she let us buy it. When we went grocery shopping. And so we drank Tab. Oh boy, did we drink Tab. Now Tab was sweetened with saccharin. And it really tasted like shit. But we were totally hooked. On my first date with my first ever boyfriend. Who incidentally turned out to be gay. We went to this old fashioned kind of ice cream parlor in our town. And I had a Tab float. Yes, I had them put Tab in my float with my ice cream. May as well save those 150 calories, right? Now, saccharin was thought to cause cancer in lab animals, and products containing it had to post a warning label on them for a while, but that didn't stop us. And the FDA even came close to a total ban on it in the 70s. But now, ironically, saccharin, saccharin, saccharin is now actually considered safe. I mean, either way, I would never consume it again. And if you're old enough to remember the first years of Saturday Night Live and the genius Gilda Radner, do you remember Gilda Radner's song, Goodbye Saccharin? Gilda played Rhonda, Rhonda Weiss of Rhonda and the Rondettes. They were a girl group from the early 60s who then had a comeback show with Don Kirshner. Now, Rhonda was a kind of a very jappy Jewish-American princessy girl band singer who mourns the loss of saccharin because as she says men prefer thin girls with cancer more than healthy girls with lumpy thighs and years later when Gilda Radner was actually dying of ovarian cancer she wrote a book called it's always something and in her book she speculates that maybe it was all the diet soda that caused her disease or maybe it was the red m&ms Maybe Gilda diet sodaed herself 
to death. We're going to take a very quick break here. When we come back, more about sweetiness and foodiness. grass-fed beef pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef free-range, sustainably produced humane Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef the authentic flavor of the American West Welcome back to Let's Get Real I'm Erica Wides, your host. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. And that was just a little sample of my beloved Gilda Radner's song, Goodbye, Saccharin. Anyway, Saccharin was discovered by a researcher who was doing work with coal tar. Yeah, coal tar. Why would you eat anything that ever came from coal tar? And it was used during World Wars I and II due to sugar rationing to sweeten food. And then it was introduced into processed foods in the 30s as a sugar substitute. Now, my grandmother used to keep a little tiny pillbox with little tiny saccharin tablets in her purse, and she would drop them in her coffee. I remember that. And Chris of Svedka and Diet Sprite fame has a mom who hoarded and still hoards packets of sweet and low in her bag and won't travel without it, either because of a fear of having to ingest sugar or maybe an extreme addiction to the saccharin itself. Somehow she actually gets through airport security without being busted as a Coke dealer, even though her bag is full of white powder. And cyclamates were also used around that time to sweeten, but then they were thought to cause cancer in the 60s. So in 1969, cyclamates were out and saccharin ruled until 1980. And then in 1980, the whole world changed because Diet Coke came out. And Diet Coke had aspartame in it, more commonly known as NutraSweet. And you know why Diet Coke with aspartame came out in 1980? Well, think about what else happened in 1980. It was a very historic year. No, not the hostages in Iran being freed. And no, not the epic epic hockey battle in the Olympics of the U.S. against Russia. No, 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 nothing like that. Think more like creepy old geezer scamming America into a 1950s era nostalgia coma. Right. Reagan. 
Reagan was elected. And who headed Reagan's transition team? Donald Rumsfeld. The man who brought you the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, among other big hits of the 2000s or other atrocities. And what company did Rumsfeld work for back then? Ding! Right again, Monsanto. And Monsanto had just bought Searle, who had just developed aspartame. And the FDA had said that aspartame wasn't safe and caused cancer and brain tumors and all kinds of health problems, and they weren't going to approve it. But Rummy knew that he stood to make a killing on it, and he actually got a $12 million bonus for his work with aspartame. And so when he and Reagan hooked up, Reagan basically blocked the FDA's ability to ban aspartame as a food additive so that Monsanto could get it on the market and Rumsfeld could make his $12 million killing, his financial killing, and then go on to make a killing on a more human level two decades later and practically destroy the world. Now, on a related note, did you know that Dick Cheney is a diet sprite? addict. Yes, Dick Cheney, who just had a heart transplant and has already had like six other heart operations. Diet Sprite addict. This was reported by Harper's Magazine a few years ago. They got a hold of one of his green room lists and Diet Sprite was at the top as a must. Yes, Dick Cheney also. So there's a documentary out called Sweet Misery, A Poisoned World, which I strongly recommend that you watch. It's on YouTube. You can also buy it. And it's about this very story. It's about how aspartame made it onto the market, even though it was considered incredibly unsafe by many scientists. And it's about all the scientists and researchers and doctors who were involved in the early testing of it and who believe that it is the primary cause of the huge spike in brain tumors that we have seen since 1980. Plus all kinds of other autoimmune diseases that have gone up like lupus and fibromyalgia and MS. Many of them believe it's all caused by the ingestion of aspartame. But all of those scientists were either ignored or silenced, and the FDA went ahead and put it on the GRASS list. The GRASS list is the list that means generally recognized as safe. Not like, yes, we emphatically say it's safe. It means generally recognized as safe. And so if it's on the GRASS list, when there are negative reactions in humans to chemicals that are on the GRASS list or food, added, food additives on the grass list, they don't have to be reported to the FDA because those chemicals and additives are generally recognized as safe. So thousands of people who claim to have been made ill from aspartame have no voice because it's grass, generally recognized as safe. So it must be, right? It's very Orwellian in a way. It's like the sign at Auschwitz that said work will make you free. That must have been true too, right? Now, here's a paragraph from the Huffington Post article about it. The FDA's own toxicologist, Dr. Adrian Gross, told Congress that without a shadow of a doubt, aspartame can cause brain tumors and brain cancer, and that it violated the Delaney Amendment, which forbids putting anything in food that is known to cause cancer. According to the top doctors and researchers on this issue, aspartame causes headache, memory loss, seizures, vision loss, coma, and cancer. It worsens or mimics the symptoms of such diseases and conditions as fibromyalgia, MS, lupus, ADD, diabetes, Alzheimer's, chronic fatigue, and depression. Further dangers highlighted <coughs> is that aspartame liberates free methyl alcohol. The resulting chronic methanol poisoning affects the dopamine system of the brain causing addiction. 
Methanol, or wood alcohol, constitutes one-third of the aspartame molecule and is classified as a severe metabolic poison and narcotic. Well, if that isn't generally recognized as safe, I don't know what is. Anyway, back to 1980. You know, a simpler time. Now, of course, we made the switch to Diet Coke from Tab because it tasted marginally better and it was better for us. No saccharin. And Tab, you know, it was so, Tab was so 70s and so outdated. And we were in the 80s now. So we guzzled our Diet Coke and we laid out in the sun with baby oil on our skin. And we inhaled the aerosol final net that we sprayed on our Farrah Fawcett hairdos and our ballet buns. And everything went along. I got old enough to get a job for the summer. And I landed as a cashier at a local fried seafood takeout place in my town called the Steam Room. Now, at the Steam Room, all the cashiers, the counter girls, were girls, and all the cooks were boys. I would rather have been a cook, but it never even occurred to me to ask at the time. So the Steam Room was where I worked for like a month or two until I got a better job at a jewelry shop, which was much, much more desirable despite a future career in food service. And the steam room, like its name, was hot. Hot. Behind that counter, we sweated because we were directly in front of the fryers and the steamers where all the frozen seafood was cooked by stoned high school boys. So stoned, in fact, that they used to dip their fingers in the fish fry batter and then stick them into the deep fryer to see who could stay immersed in the hot oil the longest. It was fun. You know, back then, kids would just like smoke a bowl and play Kiss or Journey on the record players for fun. They didn't snort Crystal and pop Adderall and stay up for five days watching internet porn. It was a simpler time. And since it was so hot in there, we were allowed to drink soda all day. We had, you know, whatever we wanted. We could have had water, I suppose, but there was a fountain soda dispenser right there, and we were allowed to have all the free soda we wanted. And there was Diet Sprite, which I liked because I was already sensitive to caffeine back then. If I drank Diet Coke all day, I didn't sleep all night. So I drank Diet Sprite all day. Or it may have been Diet 7-Up, actually, now that I think about it. While I rang up people's fried shrimp and flounder and french fries and clam boats. And after a couple of weeks of this, something really weird happened. I'd get my big Diet Sprite, and I'd start drinking it. And after a sip or two, I would start to get dizzy. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm just dehydrated, so I would drink more of it. And I would get queasy and headachy and even more dizzy until I actually had to sit down. So I switched to water, thinking it would help, and it did. But then every time I went back to drinking the diet soda, I'd get the same symptoms. And it got so bad that if I put a stick of aspartame-sweetened gum in my mouth, I immediately got the same symptoms. So I quit that shit. And then I saw a newspaper article around that time that said that those were common symptoms of aspartame poisoning and that it was thought to cause brain tumors and all those other neurological illnesses. So I put down the diet soda and the sugarless gum and the diet jello and the diet pudding and all the foodiness fake sugar foods I'd grown up with and I never touched them again. And if you watch Sweet Misery, there are a lot of people who talk about having the same symptoms and some of them went on to develop serious diseases. Now, I don't know if there's a proven correlation or not. I sure as hell am not taking any chances on something Donald Rumsfeld says I should be drinking. And I did it despite the study that Rhonda pointed to that concluded that men prefer thin girls with cancer more than healthy girls with lumpy thighs. And Gilda actually did get very thin toward the end. 
And we know that sugar consumption in this country is totally out of control since our diet has been candified, as I discussed in my show a while ago, on the candification of our food. That show is called If It Tastes Like Candy. It is. Because everything is hyper-sweetened and causing us to eat like fat toddlers, and it's probably the cause of most of our illness and our disease. All that sugar. The super-sweetness of everything has taken us far, far down that rabbit hole of foodiness because it creates a firewall, a foodiness firewall where we can't even taste real food anymore. Why would you take a chance on a real strawberry when the strawberry-flavored yogurt in a tube is so much better and has no sugar? That's better for me anyway, right? But the point is that as bad as consuming mountains of sugar every day is, substituting artificial sweeteners for sugar is even worse than eating sugar. Now, I'm not saying you should be eating a lot of sugar or much at all, but to swap it out for chemical fakes, that takes us beyond the rabbit hole, way, way down into the underworld, over the river Sprite, past the point of no five-cent return on our cans, to foodiness hell, Dante's seven-up circle of foodiness hell the bottomless pit. There's no place worse than the seven-up circle of foodiness hell. Because while you're in real hell, you meet the devil, who's actually kind of fun and loves a cocktail and is quite the dancer. But in foodiness hell, you have to spend eternity with Donald Rumsfeld. And all you get to eat is aspartame coated and Splenda dipped and saccharin and cyclamate glazed seven-up circle foodiness. Nothing looks like recognizable food. Nothing tastes like food. It's like malevolent Dr. Seuss stuff without all the charming fuzzy creatures. You don't recognize any of it because it's not food. You're in foodiness hell, far, far beyond the rabbit hole. Now, there is one plant that grows there, and it's the stevia plant. And some people think that the stevia plant is okay. It's a better option. But it's still in hell, and you have to live on all of this forever. But don't worry. Because the foodiness industry has just invented something to make it all okay. Now they've given us Splenda with added vitamins. Now that's real. That's not part of my hell metaphor. That's actually a real thing. And all you have to do is tear open that little yellow packet and sprinkle it over your bowl of seven up circle foodiness hell food. And you'll live forever with Rumsfeld and W is down there, I'm sure. And Dick Cheney and Condi. How do you think Condi stayed so fit by playing the piano? Now, I just heard that uh, they're bringing the movie Nine to Five to Broadway. Remember that one? It was a musical from the early 80s. Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. They play secretaries to Dabney Coleman. And he's this like total asswipe of a boss. And they accidentally almost poison him by confusing rat poison with an artificial sweetener called Skinny and Sweet. But it's not actually that different, really. I mean, artificial sweeteners cause cancer in lab rats, so why not use them to sweeten your coffee, too? Or why not use your rat poison? Same thing. Now, it's bad to be a sugar addict. Sugar is now thought to be one of the primary causes of all of our Western diseases. And our food is seriously sweetened. But to be an artificial sweetener addict is worse because that's not food. Sugar, technically, is a food. Aspartame, sucralose, saccharin, not food. Stevia, yeah, it's a plant, but I'm still not so sure about that one. I mean, would you eat artificial meat or artificial eggs or artificial fruit? Well, actually, we kind of do because there's all those like fake vegan versions of those, but those sound disgusting and unfathomable. So why do we gladly ingest artificial sugar? 
Do we really think that eventually it'll all be proven safe? I mean, that's what they used to say about smoking, too, or thalidomide, or using lead in face powder. I mean, think about it. Practically everything artificial that is created for us to consume eventually comes out as causing cancer. It's always just a matter of time. So I'm not saying don't put a teaspoon of sugar in your coffee or even a few teaspoons. I mean, I like a spoonful of sugar in my afternoon latte. That's not going to hurt you. But, you know, let's get real about this. The hyper-sweetness of everything, that is going to kill you, whether it's sugar or artificial sweeteners. You're not a lab rat. You don't need to have this stuff tested out on you. So if you go to a coffee bar and you're faced with all those little packets, pick the brown packet. That's the sugar in the raw. It's still sugar, but it's still got a few trace minerals left in it. At least it's the best of the worst. And, you know, we talked about saccharin, which is made from coal tar, and NutraSweet, which is made from, I don't even know what, wood alcohol bonded with something else. But what about Splenda, the new one? Splenda? Splenda is sucrose polyester. It's a sucrose molecule bonded to a chlorine molecule. Chlorine is a poison. That's why we used it to gas people in wars. You don't want to be ingesting that. So what you need to do is start dialing down your sweetness levels. Whether you're a sugar addict or a NutraSweet addict, you need to like start dialing it back. You need less. You need to kind of readapt and readjust if you're completely addicted to all of that sweetness. You just need to kind of turn the volume down on all of that stuff. Now, as I point out many times, when it comes to getting real, there are easy areas and hard areas. This one is a little bit in between. You just have to make some adjustments. You just have to adapt. If you have an addiction to hypersweetness, and if you're an American, you might, you're going to have to go through some withdrawal. You're going to have to readjust your palate from strawberry flavor to strawberry. But you can do it. Kate got off the diet soda. Chris got off the diet soda. Just take it slow and go through withdrawal and you can handle it. Now, I'm still working on the nice Mormon mountain climber moms. There's hope for them, too. Although if Mitt gets elected, what are they going to serve at White House state dinners if the president and the first lady don't drink wine? Now, just think about the role of sweetness in your life and maybe assign it a number of importance to you in your daily food intake. And then you can just start ratcheting that number down. You just have to retrain yourself. Remember, real tastes good. Real tastes like food, not shit. Because why on earth or in hell would you want to eat shit? We're out of time. Thanks to Joe in the control room, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.